Writer, director, and gel manicure enthusiast. And I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and anti-pants. Oh, I'm anti-pants. Yeah, when you get home, pants off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even wear a real pant anymore. Um, I only wear stretchy pants that are that are nice on my belly. Sure. Um, I wear pants size up so that they're not too tight on my belly. This is great advice. No, this is what the people come yeah, here to I hear. Yeah, Athleta especially has a lot of pants that can pass as real pants, but are actually really nice on your belly. Um, like, if I was listening to a podcast, this is what I would want be writing down notes about. And you should be. Look, people are trying to get you down with pants and bras. And I said, fuck you. Yeah. A long time ago. I don't wear real pants, and I don't wear real bras. Sports bras are where it's at. Sports bras hurt me. They do? Yes, I just wear a bando. I what is it? I wear like a I think it's called a bando. Yeah, like it's it's just cloth and mm-hmm. um it does some light some light work. My main <laughs> issue <laughs> just a gentle cupping. A gentle cupping. Look, if it's cold out, there'll still be nips, but I'm on a campaign to to destigmatize nipple showing. Yes. We are so behind the times. Rachel Green did this for us. A decade ago, and yeah. and we're still afraid to show our nips. Come on, guys. I agree. Nips out. Nips nobody should out. be. Uh, you nobody should say shit to you if your nips are out. Thank you. I was gonna say I just imagined making men wear little cups over their nips because we'd be offended by their nipples showing, and yet we're not. So because we don't make them wear thimbles over their nipples. I mean, honestly, we could go hard by wearing thimbles over our nipples, and that would really <laughs> send a statement. That is true. This is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. Crazy how often nipples come up on this show. Well, they're part of part of life. They, <laughs> yep. They. You know what? I would say they're essential to life because yeah. they feed us. Oh, and that's it. That's the end. End of I list. I have like a lot of issues about like how um, pro breastfeeding the world is because yeah. uh, I feel like it's only in this last generation really and like our parents grew up on formula and um it's very painful to breastfeed and you can also have a lot of hard times producing the right amount of milk then you feel a lot of shame if you can't breastfeed your child so i just want to take this moment and this platform to say i will not judge you if you don't breastfeed and you should feel fine making that decision for whatever reason ah Hold on. Can we get a dun 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 And that is my campaign. Thank you for coming. That will be the end of the episode. I vote for you. Thank you. They're very excited about the rest of this episode because there is more coming. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking to my ex-girlfriend, Shannon Waters. All about polyamory. Oh, yeah. Woo! And then later on, we'll be talking about death. What do we think happens? How do we feel about it? Are we afraid? You know it. But first... Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Chantal! Toronto, Canada. Actual international. I know, very exciting. Um, so Chantal says, so her, I love that people are doing this. They're breaking down their actual question and then they're giving me more info. Yeah. So her actual question is, how do I not hate myself when I gain a lot of weight from medication? And now for the details. Al 
Allison, I remember when you gained weight from taking medication for your mental health. You explained that even though your body changed, you felt happier. I have to start taking steroids this week for two months and will likely gain weight, get acne, and have mood swings, according to the doctors. This is for a chronic illness that I've been in remission for for 75% of my life, and I'm a full-time university student and an actor who is finally getting paid work. So this sucks. It is putting my life on pause. I will definitely feel better because of the medication, but how do I not hate my body and the situation? Steroids make you gain weight in a way that fills up your cheeks, and I've seen it make people look unrecognizable. No body type is better than the other, but I feel like any drastic change to your normal is hard to adapt and accept. I have a past with depression, and I'm not looking to feel that way again in this process. Do you have any tips on getting through this without a complete loss of confidence? How do I separate my mental state with what's happening to me physically? Yeah, my ooh was to the acne. I would actually be more self-conscious about something happening with my skin, which I have been. Like if if I've been on medication that's caused me to have pimples and acne, like that has been devastating for me. So I totally, I totally get feeling like the medication is making you better, but also uh, you don't like what you look like in the mirror. Yeah, so if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know, but who knows? Maybe you're a new listener. I went on Zoloft, uh, went back on antidepressants in 2017 and gained um, like over 20 pounds on that. So um, for my frame, that was a, a significant amount and it it was tough to deal with, um, mostly because I felt great, but then people kept making comments about it. That's the thing. It's the outside people who are like coming up to you and being like, what happened? Which is like, mind your business. But since then, so I ended up switching medications because at a certain point it got to me where I was like, this is something that is actually bothering me coming from me. And I got to a place of stability where I was able to feel like I was at a strong enough place to try switching meds um, to ones that had had a less weight gain side effect. Um, with what you're talking about, the steroids, it is a temporary time of, of two months. So I think that that is something to think about that, you know, life's full of phases. And mm-hmm. and honestly, I have such mixed feelings about the weight gain and the, gain, and the weight that I still have put on since then because I lost some of it and but some of it's back and my body's just very different than it used to be a couple years ago we are in our 30s (laughs) don't remind me you're never gonna get back you know what I mean like there's this weird thing of trying to be like oh compared to what I was at 21 but that's just life like Mm -hmm. you're never gonna you're never gonna look the same as you did 10 years ago and like that's okay (laughs) yeah and some people will though you know like there are some people where like their metabolisms and their genetics and their diet and like my sister is still just as skinny as she's ever been um and so it's hard for me like not to compare myself to that but i i've been doing like a lot of like thinking about my body and weight gain and it looking different to me in the mirror because i i really feel that point where like you look in the mirror and it's like not recognizable to yourself and that's a scary feeling yeah um and kind of like unsettling and that especially comes from when you gain weight in your face because it changes your face shape yeah but it's just like what you're used to, what you what you think you look like. Um, I have a friend who started testosterone for, to transition and uh, went off it because he was just like, my whole face is broken out. Like I have so much acne. Like I, I would rather not be on this because I don't even recognize myself in the mirror. Yeah, I mean, so I think that there's like kind of two parts to this. So one is like, don't feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah. I think that they're like – was this added layer of shame that I felt for, like, caring that I'd gained weight or, like, care- like caring if you have acne because we are in a, 
at least probably people who are listening to this podcast, we are in like a body positivity time mm-hmm. where like that is what we're all focused on and want. And like we all know that one body type is not inherently better than another body type. So then you're like feeling bad because you put on weight and you're also feeling bad for feeling bad. And mm-hmm. like just remove that. Like let yourself feel whatever you need to feel. Like you can acknowledge the fact that like, okay, I've put on weight. Like in my ideal world, I wouldn't have put on weight, but I I have. And then a sort of like a shift into thinking about your body in a different way. And for me, a lot of that is like, I'm the harshest critic of my body. Mm -hmm. Like I probably am noticing these five pounds more than anyone else is or ever Mm -hmm. will. And also that there is like no morality tied to weight. Yeah. Like I very much grew up where it was like good to be thin and bad to be fat Mm -hmm. in like my society, my family, like that was just like, and if you were fat, then you were like failing at something that you like were, then you you like were disciplined enough. Yeah, it's a a moral judgment. Yeah, it's a moral judgment. And like, I've had to completely reverse my idea of that. Yeah. Where it is just what your body looks like. Right. Like sometimes different bodies look different ways. And like, that's that's just like how you're born. I don't know. Like it's this thing where are you expecting this person to completely overhaul and deprive themselves and make their body? Like you've seen people who drop a ton of weight, but it doesn't look right on them because it's not, that's not what their body's meant to look like. Yeah. And also part of this journey is going to be figuring out like, how do you enjoy yourself in this new body, you know? So Mm -hmm. like that might mean that like your wardrobe changes a little bit. Yeah. Like I, my wardrobe has definitely changed a bit. Like I don't feel as comfortable wearing like super tight stuff or like super short stuff. And like, honestly, part of that might just be age that might've happened. I think that is age. No matter what, but that's okay. Like it's okay to change that relationship. (laughs) But I'm, I'm older, a year older than you. And I just bought a bunch of crop tops where like my (laughs) stomach will fully be out. And I'm like, welcome to 2020. Like we're all hot. Yeah. It's a, and you also just have to realize that, like, your mental state and, like, is so much more important overall than, like, a, some weight gain. So, like, for me, and realizing— this person's life. This person's, like, in remission for, like, an actual illness. Like, right. you want to live. Exactly. Like, you have to look at, like, your overall health. And I think that that's when that bullshit of, like, well, if you're overweight, that's so unhealthy. Like, that's right. just—it's just, like, not also, true. <laughs> there are tons of people who— I have bigger bodies than me who work out and eat right. Yeah. And I am a garbage dump and eat like shit. There's not even a way to judge health. Do you know what I mean? It's not even a way to judge who's healthy no, at all. No, not at all. It's such a misconception. I just think that you have to recognize that it's not something that you're going to come to terms with and be okay with overnight. Like, this is going to be a process for you. And yeah. that's, that's okay. Like, you don't have to, like, put on 20 pounds and be like, I don't care that this happened. And you have to kind of, like, look at it from, like – a wide lens and say, what is your life overall? Mm -hmm. Like if your life overall is better, but you're 10 pounds heavier, wouldn't you take that? Yeah. What people do chemo and their hair falls out, but they'd rather be alive. Exactly. Than have hair. So you have to like think about your priorities and, and like the enjoyment of your day-to-day life. Take the morality out of weight because it's not true and bullshit. And then also like, let, like let yourself go through this process, Mm -hmm. you know, like don't feel shitty for feeling that way. And so honestly, like for me, it's like I will still have that initial thought of like, oh, I've gained weight. And then I will think, 
But it doesn't really matter. Right. You know, like, you can still have that first thought and then follow it up with the second thought. It's also fucked up. Like, I remember when I was very, very sick in 2008 and then also in 2012, men- mentally ill, sick. Uh, I was very thin and everyone was, like, happy for me and kept being like, oh, my God, like, th- you know, you look great or whatever. Which is which is the opposite of what, like, you were actually feeling good, actually on the right medication that made you feel good. Mm-hmm. And people were like, something's wrong. And it's like we really need to break that down and, like, think about how we talk to people and think about how we view, like, what illness looks like. Or well, we what... shouldn't talk about people's weight at all. Of course. <laughs> like, and also... I think you can say, like, oh, I love your outfit. You look great. But, like, I don't think we should mention either weight gain or weight loss specifically to anyone. Because you have no idea what someone's going through. Exactly. I wanted to – every time someone would be like, you look great, I wanted to be like, thank you, I'm dying. <laughs> Like, I just think, like, we have such a a broken idea of, like, how, you know, what is considered good and what is considered bad. Like, I when people say things like, oh, oh, I hope I get the flu so I don't eat for, like, a week. You know what I mean? Like, just the way people talk so casually about, like, illness and, and wellness versus, like, larger body type or smaller body type is, like, so backwards and so broken. And just to speak more to that point of, like, not recognizing yourself and your face shape changing, it's really remembering that, like, who you are is n- is not your face shape. Of course. That, like, you're not losing your essential you-ness. Like, whether or not you believe in a soul, like, let's just, like, mm-hmm. use that term. Like, your soul is the same. Like, your consciousness is the same. The stuff that truly matters is the same. Mm-hmm. Even if your cheeks are a little puffy. Even if you are bigger and you lose a bunch of weight from being sick. I think that can be really disorienting too. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's the same thing. It's like you're still who you are on the inside. Yeah, but like any major change to your physical body is going to be shocking. Yeah. And like you're allowed to process that. Yeah. But then it's then taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture. That's more important. Yes. And if you're not this person and like Allison said, and you're talking to your friends and saying like, wow, you look really good. That person could be like, thank you. I have leukemia. Like keep it to yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stop. Like th- there's no like you've lost weight. You look good. You've gained weight. You look bad. Like just stop it. <laughs> I hope that was helpful on some level, Chantel. Um, I hope that the steroids work and that you feel better and that um, you continue to go into remission. I don't know how sickness works. Anyway, <laughs> we are doctors. If you want to submit your international question, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Up next, we've got a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, Shannon Waters. Gabby's ex-girlfriend. Stick around. Just between us. Hey! With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature and mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories, 
This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always feel comfortable just sharing about herself but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before so I'm so excited for that. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code just between us at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code just between us for 10% off today. Hi everyone, Allison here. Anyone who knows me well knows that I love to read. I am always looking for new books and that is why I'm so excited that this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. It was so fun for me to get to pick which book I wanted to read this month and have it shipped right to my door. Book of the Month makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box, and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment and she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out and she's, she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right up my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. DJ Allison. That's what you sound like. That's what I'm going for. Welcome back to Power 96 Hot Hot Hip Hop. Look, I'm available for a lot of different types of jobs. Yep, a radio DJ is one of them. I'd love it. Thank you so much for joining us, Shannon Waters. We are very excited to ask some very tough questions. This is truly a tough question segment. So you do other things. You're also, uh, say what your actual job is before we get into why you're here. I I do. I do other things. I am a senior editor at a comic book publisher. Mm -hmm. 
uh, specifically at Boom Studios, and I run the Boombox imprint, which is their YA comics imprint. (laughs) And then uh, I am the co-creator and co-writer of the cool tween series Lumberjanes. Cool queer teen series Lumberjanes. Get into it. Yeah. That's so cool. Tell us about polyamory. I love (laughs) to be here for none of those things. Exactly. Yeah. I love to be here to talk about polyamory. Love you, boom. Uh, Goodbye. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so, I mean, well, you want to start at the very beginning, and then and then I'll enter the picture around 2016? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, when we're picking guests, we kind of, like, want to explore different topics, and we just haven't really gotten into polyamory that much on the podcast. It's something we talked a lot about on the YouTube channel. Yeah. But we wanted to kind of, like, I think it's a lifestyle and... Um, often stigmatized stigmatized and represented inaccurately. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted someone who's living that lifestyle to kind of come on and and speak to their personal experience with it. So start at the beginning. That's a great place to start. Yeah. 2012? Uh, No, actually, you know what? This was like 2010. Um, I I became kind of like even aware of polyamory um, because I was engaged uh, to a guy. Which doesn't Yuck. sound that crazy because you're not looking at Shannon right now. <laughs> but if you just want to flip to Shannon's social media uh, or to the picture that will accompany this podcast, you'll be like, whoa, whoa, what? Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a butch lady mm-hmm. uh, and have been for a very long time. But in those days, I was dating my kind of like college boyfriend who was a sweetheart, good mm-hmm. dude. Uh, but was really just like on a train to falling in love with one of my best friends just all the time. I was having big feelings, big, big feelings, which is not great when you're engaged to be married to a guy. And I uh, responded to that by being like, hello, my fiance. I am really attracted to this girl. I just wanted you to know. Yeah. And doing a lot of Googling about like, (laughs) why, uh, how can I be in love with this person? But also be in love with this person. This is crazy. And uh, I like remember writing a letter I didn't send to my now uh, ex-husband who... Spoiler uh, alert, the wedding yeah. happens. The wedding happens, and then three months later, it's done. Yeah. It's over. It was. It's a very long story. Uh, really great. If but I would in. argue that, that some people could use this story to say why polyamory is bad. Well, here's the thing, is that I was a big old les. And mm, right. uh, I think that it would have been perhaps a better situation if I wasn't... Also coming to terms with the fact that I was a huge lesbian. Yeah, two things were happening so at once. Two things were happening. and the polyamory, yeah. that was the issue. Yeah. Um, but I talked to him a lot about my feelings, which I tell people that, and people are like, that's super weird. <laughs> it's a weird thing. But I also, you know, I, I didn't really want to kind of, like, go down the path of, like, oh, I'm going to cheat on him. I really wanted I, I wanted it to kind of be out there and about. Um But I had all these, like, big, big feelings, and I came across the term polyamory and the idea of polyamory. And I found that it kind of clicked a few things into place in my brain. Um, But, yeah, I didn't start – I didn't start kind of, like, practicing poly um, until later. What things clicked in your brain? Well, I I had always kind of – I have a lot of love in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not an expert on polyamory. I am just someone who's been poly for uh, 
you know, been aware of kind of like my poly lifestyle for about a decade. That's um, how I feel is that I'm not like an expert. I just am it. Yeah, I just am and it. And I feel like that's that's expertise enough. Exactly. You, you make mistakes. Right. Uh, you, you live it. Um, but yeah, and so uh, I started to kind of like date other people and uh, other people who were poly or in open relationships um, and explore it a little more, read a lot of books, um, and kind of figure out what it meant to me. And I found that, uh, too, the people that I kind of had the most success dating um, while poly were also poly. Um, yeah, big shock. <laughs> I know. Huge. <laughs> well, huge okay, news. So polyamory is when, I mean, it falls under multiple umbrellas, like non-monogamy yeah. and that kind of thing. Uh, what's the definition to you? I think that it's that you can have romantic love and romantic relationships uh, with a few different people at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone is aware and of it. And everyone that. is aware of it. Everybody is honest. Uh, everybody talks. Everybody gets together sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they want to get it, together. But sometimes an, they don't. It's a practice, I think, of uh, uh, open communication. Mm-hmm. And uh, compersion is a big part of it for me. Me too. Um, compersion is being happy and being made happy by your partner's happiness. Um, and so compersion is like a huge, huge part of it for me. I, I've never really been somebody who's jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the that's opposite of jealousy. Exactly. It's where instead of being jealous of your partner hooking up with someone and you're like feel sick or something, you actually feel like joy and happiness yeah, that exactly. they are happy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but also, you know, I find like a lot of times with polyamory, that's like polyamory is like you have multiple partners, yeah. uh, long-term partners or people that are mm-hmm. around in a, like a boyfriend, girlfriend capacity versus like uh, I kind of now have more evolved into like non-monogamy where yeah. it's like I have one primary partner and then there's other people floating around, yeah. uh, which is less or, or one night stands or exactly. one offs or whatever, less so that I feel like I'm going to end up having uh, like a two girlfriends or a boyfriend and girlfriend or, you know, whatever it is that I, maybe I thought I would have yeah. w- when I was younger. And I think I float along that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, my current relationship, uh, my partner, of nearly three years now, um, she and I both came into the relationship being poly and having an understanding of poly. Um, and we have not like had, you know, partners that like another girlfriend or Mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, but that is something that we both are very open to Mm -hmm. and kind of like, Oh, if it, if it comes up, if the right person comes along when we're old, a young girlfriend (laughs) to inherit all of my antiques. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, we're not having kids. So it's like, who's going to get the antiques? Our young girlfriend, hypothetically. (laughs) Are you someone who thinks that, like, polyamory is the way to go in general? Or do you think it's something that only works for certain people? Oh, I absolutely think it's something that only works for certain people, like certain people, because it, it, it requires a degree of intense, like, communication and openness. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people that doesn't, like, it doesn't work as well. And I think, you know, um, in some ways that can be a decision. In some ways it's how you're made. Um, I think people who have a lot of jealousy do have a really hard time. You also need like secure attachment I think and, that's and a exactly level right. of confidence that I yeah. think is like a choice sometimes. Like Absolutely. I have to just be like, I'm very hot and successful. <laughs> like I, <laughs> this person can't touch. Like you have to kind of talk yourself sometimes Absolutely. into like being like, no, I'm great. Yeah. But I think a lot of times in relationships, people are like, am I great? I don't know. I hope this person yeah. stays. Well, and I think you but have to. they're going to leave you anyway. Exactly. And you have to kind of be like, oh, our relationship is great. Mm-hmm. I may be the one that's like staying home tonight and, you know, watching uh, 
uh, terrible television. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm excited that my partner is out having a great time mm-hmm. and coming home to me. Uh, I know that that's something that having me there at home to come home to is something that's important to my partner. And uh, they love me. And so they they want to be with me. So. Right. It's the choice of like, exactly. I never, I feel like I've never wanted someone, I've never found it romantic for someone to be like, I want to hook up with this person, but I'm not because of you. I t- I'm like, oh, oh go with God. God. I, I don't t- care. Please. I totally agree. It's a, like, it's a huge, um, I, I find it the kind of, in poly, you know, there are rules. You you kind of come up with what works for you as a couple um, as far as. Can you give as, some, some examples of yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Um, some people are like, you know, you can, uh, because like Gabby said, there are various kind of like degrees and a spectrum of uh, non-monogamy. You know, some people are like, oh, you know, you can date them, but don't date them seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, uh, you guys can um, hang out at each other's houses and like, you know do whatever you'll do there but I don't want you going on like dates like that right, kind of yeah. stuff um, or different even just like you know uh, I had with an ex-boyfriend like we don't use condoms but with other people you use yeah, condoms exactly. like just specific rules exactly um, and I would argue that that was uh, an unsafe rule <laughs> why? <laughs> I think that if you're having sex with multiple partners you should be using condoms with everybody uh, I guess, but I felt like, well, he's if he's using condoms with other people, then it's fine. If he's not using them with me, and I'm not, and I'm using condoms with other people, but just not with this person. Yeah, it depends. Some people no, would agree with you, Alice, and some people would be like, no, everyone's using condoms because mm-hmm. of because of polyamory. It does just depends. Yeah, but like it's also the thing of you know we would have like a Google Doc with like here's what is allowed mm-hmm. and here's what's not allowed, basically. Yeah. Um, or, and I think that's yeah. something like that rule is also something that, like, the person that you're dating, you can kind of – you can tell them that that's the rule. And they can be like, you know what? I'm not comfortable mm-hmm. with that. Like, I, would I, I would rather everyone use condoms. use condoms. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the open communication part of it comes in because your part – your, you know, your secondary partner um, is not somebody who is just, like, floating around at the whims of the people mm-hmm. in the primary relationship. They should be a part of that conversation. So. Yeah. Do you feel like you made any mistakes along the way? Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding, Alice? So many. Well, I mean, uh, I'm sitting t- right here. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> well, you know, I made a, a lot of monogamy related mistakes yeah so what are like what are some learning curves you had so like being very kind of open it up front with my own needs and desires is something that I think I always you know have a hard time with anyway is like I I tend to put my partners or the people I care about their needs before my own um and what that creates is a situation where um somebody is asking you like how do you feel how do you feel how do you feel and you you know, and I was not necessarily being um, the most upfront or felt, you know, felt secure enough to be super upfront with my needs and desires, um, which I think then creates an atmosphere of insecurity. Um, well, you said that that ability is like the number one thing exactly, you need. In exactly. Polyamory. And so um, I was not I was not being honest with myself. I was, I think, in relationships with people whose idea of what successful polyamory was was not the same as mine. Um, And that can, if you kind of like don't get to the bottom of it, uh, create a really, again, an atmosphere of insecurity. And um, what was their idea of it? More casual. Sometimes uh, the people that I was, you know, dating 
Yeah, I mean, they would think that, you know, you can like somebody that you're dating, but don't love them. Mm. And yeah. that's and that's a fascinating rule and a hard rule, yeah. I think, to have. Just Very be- hard rule to follow. It, well, <laughs> because you can control people's actions, right? Like, you can say, like, these actions um, are really important to me to create an atmosphere of safety. Um, and so your partner can follow those rules like no dates outside of the exactly. house. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, make sure you know, make sure I know where you're going, that kind of thing. But you can't help how people feel. Mm-hmm. You can't um, make a rule on how someone's going to feel. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you're creating hypotheticals, it's like, well, don't do not do this or don't do that when it comes to actual feelings. Um, that can create an atmosphere where your partner maybe feeling something and feel like they need to lie to you mm-hmm. um, about their feelings or feel like they can't communicate effectively with you um, about their feelings. And um, it can cause a lot of tension. And I think you make mistakes in relationships. You make mis- – like in monogamous relationships, you make mistakes in polyamorous, polyamorous relationships. And they're very similar mistakes, right? Like um, not if you're not being good communicators, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not um, – being open if you're not creating a secure space for your relationship, then those are all going to lead to you breaking up. <laughs> yeah. Do you are you open with everyone in your life about being poly? Honestly, like I am kind of like semi-open. I'm not super out to my family, but I also don't make a secret of it. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not like super out with every, you know, with uh, everybody, every acquaintance that I have. Um, but I'm also, I don't make a secret of it. There are articles about my polyamory mm-hmm. on websites. There, uh, you know, I've talked about it on Twitter um, and other social media. Like it's it's something that is just kind of like a part of my life. If I had a partner, um, a secondary partner that um, was serious, then I think that uh, I would... I would feel comfortable having that conversation with the people in my life. Mm-hmm. So. You know, there's this interesting conflation, too, because you said you, you've been with your partner for three years uh, and you live together and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Like um, someone recently was just saying like, oh, well, you know, do you think if you met someone that you really wanted to be serious with, you would be monogamous? Uh, and which is a thing I hear all the time. Like if Absolutely. you were so – if you wanted to really be serious <laughs> with them, you would be monogamous with them, uh, which I think is like a fundamental misunderstanding because me exactly. and the person I was talking to about it were like, oh, if one of us wanted to be monogamous, we would have to break up. Like yeah. that's the opposite of serious. Yeah, exactly. It's never happened. It's never going <laughs> to happen. Like hasn't happened yet. Like I think it – to me, it, it builds a closeness because I just never – uh, I I don't ever want to be lied to. Exactly. I don't ever want to lie to someone. Like I, exactly. I think there's levels too, which I've talked about on JBU is like the levels of non-monogamy where like, you know, the expectation is we, in some relationships is we are never attracted to anyone else ever. And if we are, we don't talk about which, it. Which that's an unreasonable expectation. Right. All of you. <laughs> versus, versus like, hey, some, you know, uh, if you're, if your partner is like, you got a crush on your coworker, and you can go, yeah, I have a little crush on my coworker, yeah. but you're not going to fuck the coworker. You just like have that communication. To me, well, that's like an element of non-monogamy because you're fun. actually discussing it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a way of, of connecting with your partner. They're your and friend. Your exactly. partner's your friend. Your partner's your pal. That's what your I think. Your partner's your pal. And you, and you should feel like you can talk to them about that kind of stuff. Again, it's that like you cannot control your partner's feelings. Right. You cannot control your partner's feelings. So why would you want your partner to lie? to you about those feelings. So you were married in a polyamorous relationship. I was. I was married in a polyamorous relationship. And when you guys got divorced, 
did people say it was because you were polyamorous? You know what? Um, no. I didn't get a lot of that, even though everybody kind of knew that we were poly. Um, at least uh, – Not from... the first marriage. This is the second marriage. I've, I've, uh, I've been around the block <laughs> a minute or two. Uh, You've been yeah. down the aisle. <laughs> down the aisle. I love hard. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, I didn't get a lot of that from the people in my life. Was that I, a relief? Yeah, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was a big relief um, because you never know. You, um, when you're in that situation, um, and again, I've been through it a couple of times, you have a lot of guilt about the ways that you were not perfect. Um, and uh, you tend to be like, well, those are the those are the things everybody's going to focus on and see is all these ways that I could have been um, better in this situation. Um, and it... Uh, it makes, you know, it makes you make decisions that are not necessarily like healthy and good for you. And so it was nice to have the people in my life go like, yeah. Yeah, because divorce break- happens. Divorce yeah, happens. and it had nothing to do with polyamory. Exactly. Which and also like I, which I think people would assume that it would. Um and all, like even the first time around didn't really have to do with polyamory. It nope. had to do with being gay. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh so which, like which uh everybody was like, "Oh, well, Maybe you should have figured that out like three months ago. <laughs> well, you know, people are on their own timelines. The people, people, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got a great KitchenAid mixer. Oh, my <laughs> God. So, okay. So, you're married. I, I, I was. I was you married. You were. Mm-hmm. We meet. Yes. Then what happens? We, uh, you invited me to go to, uh, to have a drink. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it was a date. Yes. And then you pulled uh, the classic Gabby Dunn move, which was, can I drive you to your car? The car move! <laughs> the car move. Oh, my God. For those who don't know the car move, it's really good, and I'll give it to you right now. <laughs> it's a classic. What you do is you invite someone out, and then you say, can I drive you to your car? And then they'll say, because you park close. You got to make sure you park yeah, close. Yeah, this, this is a move that works especially well if you live in Los Angeles. Yes, you have to have a car. Uh, and then you go, I'll drive you if to you your car. If you don't have a car, you can't date. Yeah, <laughs> that's the rules. And then the person goes, oh, it's not that far. And then you go, it's fine. Like, hop in. I'll drive you to your car. And then when they're in your car. You give them the old smooch. You got them. You also say, no, once you you're were in very, the car. You were very good at being like, can I kiss you? Yeah, and I was this like, is a date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you say like, hey, this is, and now I do a thing where I'm like, this is a date up top. I, I love wouldn't, it. I wouldn't go through the whole thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but like I knew when we met, it's, I mean, and this might seem like, I think for listeners, maybe unconventional or strange, I guess, although it sounds just very queer to me, mm-hmm. oh, but like extremely. we met at a, your wife was there at the mm-hmm. place we met. I met her as well. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, we hung out and like, I knew her. Mm-hmm. I had a boyfriend at the time. Yep. You hung out with him. Yep. Uh, like it was all very uh, out in the open, yeah. and everybody sort of knew, yeah. like it was pretty each board. other and what was going yeah. on. Like you and and your ex came to Allison's July Fourth mm-hmm. party, where me and my boyfriend at the time were. Yeah, like it was very sort of, and I think maybe that would seem strange to monogamous people listening. Yeah. And my boyfriend at the time was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> Was he freaking out? He was like, this is very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's pretty, I would say that's, I wouldn't 
there's no standard issue. But standard issue in the queer community for polyamorous I people, I think that's pretty that's pretty standard issue. Yeah, because there were other people at the camp that you guys had dated. Yeah. Like, it was very, like, uh, fluid yeah. in that way. Absolutely. And everyone seemed, like, fine. Yeah. All except for my ex-boyfriend at the time who was having a six-month-long panic attack. <laughs> but other than that... But he wasn't, he was monogamous. Yes. And that was like, it was, I think, really hard for him that like we were like dating, dating. Yes. Well, there were two things going on. Yeah. One, which is interesting. One is that uh, you you and I were dating, dating, Mm -hmm. which it, so it wasn't just like hooking up, which he was like, okay, that's interesting. And two, prior to you, the women that I had been dating while he and I were together were very feminine. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) So... In his mind, so uh, for for monogamous men sometimes who sign on to date me, in their mind, they go, oh, okay, I'm monogamous, but this girl I'm dating is bi, cool. Uh, Like, yeah, exactly. So in in their mind, they're like, I'm signing up to watch my girlfriend fuck other femmes. Love that for me. (laughs) And and then when you showed up, I think he was like, no, wait, no. Like, when I Google lesbian, that's not what I'm picture. What's happening? One of uh, my current partner's favorite things uh, that I told her about that you said was he had been like, oh, she's, like, cuter than I expected. And you were like, she's not for you. <laughs> she's not. How she looks isn't for you. Yeah, well, because also I think the other women I dated had also been bisexual. Sure. So, like, he was – and then you were just like, oh, lesbian. Oh, yeah. And so Very. I think he kind of was like, where the, where do I fit in? Yeah. Like, what, what is this? And I think to my – my I should have been gentler towards sure. him about it instead of just being like, get on board. <laughs> um but uh, like, but it was like new for you too. I yeah. mean, it was it was a new. You were also kind of like getting to know that part of yourself mm-hmm. too and mm-hmm. about your queerness. Very true. So like, I think like you, if you are dating, if you are poly and you're dating someone who is monogamous, you could be a little gentler. <laughs> I don't think that you should date someone who's monogamous. That's yeah. the huge thing. That's like, the huge. Thing. Every, that's the huge thing. Every time that I've seen you try to do that, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. I know. Like you <laughs> have to find somebody who wants the same things as you, but not somebody who just wants to please you. Oh boy. Yes. Yeah. And the person I'm dating now is actually Polly, thank God. And it was we they was just an experience where I was trying to they're so bad at talking to boys, and I was trying to help them <laughs> talk to boys. And I was, like, feeding them, like, Cyrano, like, lines to yeah, say and stuff. Sure. Uh, and then they were like, oh, my God, it's working. Like, why is this working? And I'm like, first of all, I have so much experience with with cis men that I don't want. And now it has to, has to be used <laughs> in some capacity to, for good. We have to make it good somehow. Yeah. And also I was like, also, I can't have you, now that we're connected, I can't have you out here embarrassing our family. Sure, of course. Like, you can't be out here embarrassing me <laughs> by fucking shit up with these dudes. Like, I need us to look cool. That's right. Um, so, like, I think, like, that – and that's worked out better than the people I've dated who have actually just been monogamous and trying to – I think either trying to appease me yeah. or trying to seem cool or trying to um, be like, oh, no, this will benefit me in some yeah. way because I'll get to have threesomes. <laughs> Which, like, yes, w- yes, you will, but also it'll it, – and if you are a monogamous person listening, like, it, it will run you down eventually. Yeah. yeah. No, it's – it's, and I think – like the you don't biggest, have to change. Yeah, the biggest mistake that kind of you can make in, uh, I mean, any relationship really is that 
is sitting there and like squashing your feelings down mm-hmm. and telling yourself that your feelings don't matter about yeah. any of it. Any or f- of it. Forcing yourself to be yeah. somebody you're not. Exactly. Because that's always going to bite you in the ass. Always. Yeah. Always. And it's always going to make, it's going to make your partner feel like shit. It's going to make you feel like shit. Mm-hmm. It makes just, just like a horrible, it's a horrible idea. Yeah. Radical honesty. And to clarify, it doesn't mean that your partner is going to be physically involved with whoever else you're seeing. Absolutely. Like sometimes right. that happens, but yeah. in a lot of times, a lot of times that does it does not happen. A lot of times right. it doesn't happen. Right. Separate relationships. Yeah, exactly. So I'm an expert. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know a lot. You do know a lot. It's like uh, you've uh, been spending a lot of time with a polyamorous person for many, many years. <laughs> well, I've seen, I've seen a lot of it. You've and, seen, you know, and you've you know been what? through it. I, I think the thing that maybe that sometimes I feel like maybe you don't get Gabby as much is that like not everybody has the same desire to be with multiple people. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I think you always think monogamous people are just, like, crushing down their deep <laughs> desires and that they actually want to sleep with everyone. That's true. But that's just not the case for, like, a lot of people. Like, I, yeah, like, sure, like, maybe I'll meet someone who I think is, like, cute and it'll be, like, fun to me to, like, to have, like, a little banter. But, like, I genuinely do not yeah. want more than that. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a lot of people. Well, and I think that, you know, you asked earlier if you're, like, if I thought that, like, polyamory was, like, the more evolved way to be. And I just don't – I don't think so. I think people are Just different. so different. I think they're yeah. different. Mm-hmm. And people are satisfied by different things in different ways and different lives, like, lives. And, and um, I think that that – you know, it really is something that you have to look inside yourself and examine what you want and how you feel about certain things. Uh, and, and then match right up with you. someone who's the same. Yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, that's Just important, too. Super you know? simple. Super simple. Yeah. <laughs> like, for me, like, I then also dated someone who, like, was monogamous but clearly wanted to be with a bunch of other yeah. people. Mm. But, like, because he was the jealous type and didn't want to Ugh. afford that to his partner, right. he was monogamous, God you know? It. And so that's that's also a mix match. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And there's also, uh, I would say, too, like, I, I think um, their idea of polyamory is that you're just out fucking all the time. <laughs> And like you're really not. You're, you're really you're not. Talk, you're doing a lot of talking and yes. making of Google calendars. Yeah. Uh, and like you're There's really. There's a lot of negotiating on <laughs> yeah. both sides. There's a lot of how are you feeling? How are yep. you doing? Mm-hmm. How is this? There, there. Boy, there's so much talking. If you, uh, if you think that that it's a big old buck and all, it really is. It's yeah. Just. And I and I also went through. Th- like re- a relationship where we were open, but like I never hooked up with anyone else without her. Like mm-hmm. she hooked up with other people. Mm-hmm. I never did. And I just, I'm not going to force myself to be interested in, like I'm, I want the option if it comes up, but like it could not come up for years. Exactly. And I think that too is, is something to think about. Like your desires will change as you get mm-hmm. older, you know, um, I am a different person than I was like five years ago um, or even four years ago. And my desires and my lifestyle are different. Um, So it means that polyamory is going to look different for me. Right. Um, And it probably will look very different five years from now or 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like Abby said, I I want the option. The option is important to me. um, And I would rather be honest and upfront with my partner and share that with my partner um, than than not and cause something really horrible to happen. Right. Uh between me and somebody I love. So. Right. And I want and I want that for for them too. Yes. Like I want I I don't ever want to be squashing someone's growth. Like I my relationship now like I'm pretty pretty over cis dudes. Like mm-hmm. I'm like I've I've seen it. <laughs> I get what they're about. It's fine. 
Um, uh, but they're not. They're sort of just starting to be interested in in cis men. What a time to start doing that. Yeah, no, in 2019. Uh, 2019 is the year to be in interested this, in, in this cis economy. men. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, go, like, you know, yeah. do what you got to do. Exactly. Like, have, have, you know, have fun. Uh, it's not great. I'll spoiler, but <laughs> see how it is. You've got, sometimes you have to walk the path your, yourself. <laughs> and let them walk it. Let I don't want, I don't want to be together for 30 years while they wonder what that Absolutely. was like, you know. Absolutely. So let them have it. And and I'm, I'm pretty confident that they'll be like, it wasn't good. And I'll be like. <laughs> I know. Come here, baby. <laughs> I know, sweetie. It was bad. <laughs> Would you give any advice uh, to just any person looking for love? Any any person any looking person. for love. Let's, let's oh, make wow. it as broad wow. as possible. That's very intense. Look, I mean, I think um, Gabby said it well. Your your partner is your pal. Your partner is is your friend. The the thing that stands out to me about my current partner is that like she I feel like I've I've known her uh forever. I feel like we've like grown up together. We have the same sense of humor. Um and like you don't have to settle for someone that you're always like quote unquote working on. Yeah. Like you don't have to settle for a situation where you feel like, you know, it's always, always, always uh, a a push and a push or a pull. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it doesn't mean that relationships aren't challenging, but you can find somebody who is your who is truly like your best pal. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's very satisfying. It's a very lovely. I life. can I can attest that it's yeah, it's, it's much easier. It's much easier, easier right? Like it, it, there's so much I think in our culture where it's like relationships are just so much work. It's just, you know, so much, so much work. And that part of it, you know, is always the part that's honored. Um, but you know what? It's okay to be like, wow, being with this person is so great and, and easy. easy. Yes. <laughs> yes. So easy to be with this person. I love it. Yes. Versus like, you should feel sick. From you should yes. feel sick all the time. Exactly. You feel horrible all the time. It's like, no, I would rather not. This yeah. is great. Not feeling horrible all the time is really great for me. Uh, and speaking of feeling horrible, would you like to play a game show? Oh, my God. Are you I ready? can't wait to be I can't wait to be wrong <laughs> about everything. Here we go. This yes. is hypothetical. Oh, you incredible. and Gabby are the contestants. I'm going to give you hypothetical situations. You can ask as many questions as you want. Tell me what you would do and then I'll decide if I like it. Great. Super. <laughs> and that's uh how we decide who wins. Fantastic. Our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Oh, great. Great for a Polly episode. Yeah, I was going to I almost just wrote yes. Um <laughs> <laughs> but that's not how polyamory works. Thank you, you Allison. You can still cheat in polyamorous Thanks relationships. Thank you for that PSA. Yes. Of course. As you'll see in this situation. <laughs> Ooh. You and your partner have an open relationship, but you're supposed to get approval before every hookup. Mm-hmm. While away on a ski trip, your partner of seven years gets trapped in a cabin for two days without power or cell service. You love a cabin trapping. This is uh, a fanfic? Yeah. I don't <laughs> So they have sex with someone else without your approval to pass the time and stay warm. Would you stay with this cheater? Stay warm is part stay of warm. it. Also, also, the person was their second cousin. So it's their their second cousin. And, and they the would have called you if they could have, but they didn't have any cell service. Of course, of course. Uh, I'd probably stay. And you and you're cool with the second cousin part. Uh, the second cousin part. I don't know. It's not <laughs> their first cousin. It's not their step sibling. Uh, it's not great. 
I'm not going to lie and say that it's great. Because you'll have to see them at family events, oh, I yeah. imagine. Yeah, because it was a family vacation. Oh, Christ. See, and reasonably, as their partner, I would go, well, they're not going to fuck anyone on the family vacation. That would be crazy. Yeah. There was wow. no need to have a discussion about right. rules for being out of cell service. Because right. it was a family vacation. Wow. Second cousin. Wow. Our next game. Are they an alien or just rude? <laughs> While buying groceries, the cashier takes a moment to smell every item before scanning it. Oh, hmm. Jesus. <laughs> After smelling it, they moan in approval. Nope. When they get to your carton of blueberries, they refuse to smell them and say, this is not available for purchase. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this person an alien or just rude? Oh, I'm running out of ideas. <laughs> Wow, I, I have to say, I, I've been a I've been a listener for a while. This is one of my favorite alien or rude <laughs> thank you questions so on the podcast. Well, so I'm really you. honored. <laughs> Real rude. I think alien. I think alien too. That's a that's pretty. And he has some sort of strange alien problem with blueberries, like they're poisonous or something. I think I would uh, leave without the blueberries and never return to that grocery store. Very good idea. No, they're just a freak. (laughs) They're just (laughs) off on smelling food, man. (laughs) Our final game. Would you lie or tell the truth? Oh, I love this one. Here we go. (laughs) While making soup for a big family dinner. Of course. You sneeze into the pot. Amazing. Four times with some boogers. Amazing. (laughs) Before you can dump it out, your mother-in-law grabs the pot and tries it. She loves it and wants to help you give it out to everyone else. Your mother-in-law has never liked your cooking before. Would you lie or tell the soup or would you lie or tell the truth that the soup has been compromised? It's Italian wedding soup in case that matters. (laughs) Well, yeah, because you won't be able to see any of this. Uh lie. Your answer is always lie. It's literally always lie. It well, has never once been tell the truth. Oh, man. Lie. I probably lie. I, here's the thing. If it's hot, the germs are gone yeah. anyway. Yeah. It has to be boiling for that to <laughs> yeah. be true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm i like, I tell the truth, I no. guess. Get in a but, good immune system. Oh, yeah. I think you tell the truth before the mother-in-law tries you it. You tell the truth before the mother-in-law tries it, but afterward, tried no, it. I think lie, lie after she tries it because it's only going to, it's going to harm no one. It'll uh, harm no one. It'll harm no one. If if people get sick, well, they're not going to know it's a soup. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to know it's a soup. I think lie because. Uh, the, stakes are, the stakes are low. Stakes are low. And like, you know what? We probably all, we sp- how many spiders do we swallow in our sleep? So many. You know what I mean? Like, so many. I forgot to mention Bugs. you have Ebola. <laughs> I knew it. Why am I cooking if the I have twist. Ebola? Yeah, you don't fuck? know yet. Oh, no. You, you just came. You just got off a plane this and you're making the... Italian wedding soup? <laughs> yeah. Great. This is the plot of an incredible film. <laughs> Thank you. This is this is how it starts. And you know who wins supporting actor? That cashier who I just <laughs> throw in for one scene. Who plays him? Who plays him? <laughs> I can um, I, yeah, I know cast who. Him. I want to know. And, uh, Paul Dano. <laughs> I was just about to say Paul God. Dano. Yeah. Wait, I was God. literally about to say Paul Dano. Why did you say Paul Dano? he's the perfect character actor for that role. <laughs> I was literally, it would have been so crazy because I was about to say That's Paul incredible. Dano. Because oh, he's creepy. Hollywood, yeah, he is creepy. Call us up. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I feel like uh, Gabby has been uh, asking me to be on Just Between Us in some capacity since we dated. So. I know. It's literally been <laughs> Here we go. like four years. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so glad that we could finally make it happen. Us too. Where can people find 
find you? They can find me at uh, Shanito, S-H-A-N-I-T-O, basically everywhere, Twitter and Instagram mostly. And check out Lumberjanes, Yeah, check out Lumberjanes. It's been a very emotional time in lumber history because we're kind of writing like later series episodes where sad things happen and God, it's like the end of the decade and it's on a bunch of lists and I've been very emotional about Lumberjanes lately. Just a lot of emotions. Uh, I'm really... I'm really grateful to all of you who have loved Lumberjanes over the years. Thank well, you. We are grateful to you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stick around after the break to talk about death. Oh, God. to Just Between Us. It's time for Topics! I got out ahead of myself. I almost talked first. That would ruin the flow. I know. I'm so sorry. (sighs) Now we have to talk about death. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many feelings about death. Sure. Um, I think I'll start start? with my most shocking. Mm. I believe in an afterlife. (laughs) Go on, go on, go on. Um, I, as we all know, I'm firmly anti-religious. I think organized religion is very harmful and often just used as a crutch to hate each other and to commit wars and atrocities against people different from you. Obviously. But I, I do believe in a god or higher spirit and I do believe in an afterlife and mm. I just don't think it makes any sense that we would be here and there not be one. Because even if you go and say we started because of the Big Bang, well, who caused the Big Bang? I know, magic. Okay, okay so Allison, <laughs> let's back up. Allison does believe uh, in magic. Uh, I, well, I, my main theory for magic is magic is real, but magicians can't let people know magic is real. So they do some tricks that they can explain. And then the bigger tricks are just real magic. I see. So that's how you hide in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I also I also have my problems with, with organized religion. And although I do think sometimes it's great for community. However, uh, I, I don't think any – I think we just die. I don't think anything happens. Now, how do I merge that with my full belief in ghosts? Uh, it's difficult, you know? I think uh, two things can be true at once. Uh, I'm not sure because I absolutely 100% believe things are haunted. Absolutely 100% believe in like little Victorian ghost boys. Uh, so then why not believe in an afterlife? Isn't it way better to believe in one? It's such a bummer not to. But in my heart, I think we probably just die. But it, why? Doesn't make any sense. Well, okay, but how do, because, because then are there, are there ghosts of every animal that's ever lived? No, we're not, Gabby, don't be ridiculous. We're not on Earth in the afterlife. Oh, okay. We're somewhere else. So the afterlife is full of every, like, animal or amoeba that's ever lived? Not sure, maybe. Is it just us as humans? I haven't really thought about that. Hopefully other animals. I because think you need, where does like, your dog con- go? I think you need, like, consciousness, so I don't know if, like, an amoeba has that. You, but, you like, need, like, a sense of self. Okay, and so do you think a dog, your dog is in the afterlife? I hope so. <laughs> Mickey! Um. <laughs> I, I don't know because I, I think like it's sometimes comforting to me to just be like nothing happens. Oh, that's so depressing to me. Really? I can't think that. I have to think that there's something. Really? Opposite. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Then it's done and it doesn't matter. And like it mattered maybe while you were alive a little but, like, ultimately, like, Earth is full of skeletons. <laughs> We're all, like, just dead. 
Like it doesn't what really a bummer. <laughs> Sorry. To me, believing in the afterlife makes me feel um, calmer, and so I'd rather just believe in it because it's not hurting anybody. Opposite. It makes me feel calmer to be like it. Nothing means anything. Hmm. It's just nihilism. You know what I find so weird is like all these religions are like you have to follow these rules so that you can go to heaven, right? That's like Christianity yeah. and Islam. And then Jews are like you have to follow all of these rules. And then there's like <laughs> that's it. Like they're not promising you anything. There's like no mention of the afterlife. They're not yeah. saying you get to go to heaven. Like what are Jews doing? It's- just have fun. It's so that, okay, but it is so that you are making the world a better place. The the reward isn't in the afterlife. The reward is supposed to be in your current life. Well, it seems like a bad deal. Well, yes. I mean, like if I'm going to like cover my hair and never touch my husband and not eat pork, like I want 17 virgins when I die. <laughs> Those aren't even accurate. You didn't even say accurate things from religions. I was close. Were you? I think like Orthodox I, women cover their hair and they can't touch their husbands. Sure they can. They can touch their husbands. No, they can't. They have to have sex through a sheet. No, that's I don't think that's true. I think it is. I'm just saying that, wow, it's cool how we're both doctors and theologians on this show <laughs> and two people who are very expert at both of those fields. No, I mean, I I I I actually like that Judaism has no afterlife because it's like it, that's the thing that I'm saying is like all you have is the time that you're given. You're not rewarded in the afterlife. You, you do things to make the world that you're in a better place. And also like for me, it's like if you die and and that's the end and nothing happens, then it's like, yeah, well, then you should have had a good time while you were here. You should have done been kind to people and uh, fucked who you wanted to fuck and like whatever while you were here because you're not going to get another chance. But you spend a lot of time unhappy and anxious and worrying about things. So why if you know none of it matters? Great question. Um, uh, I don't know. Because, but it is helpful to think none of it matters. Mm-hmm. It matters because it matters, it, it matters because of other people. Like, I have to take myself out of it and be like, it matters because I want this person I care about to feel good. It matters because I want to make sure that this person is cared for. Like, it, and also it matters because I'm I'm here on Earth. I ostensibly have a bunch of years. Like, may as well do something. Then you would just be, like, pleasure-driven. Like, you would just be— I like, mostly you am. But you wouldn't <laughs> have anxiety about things because it's not worth it. No, but I mostly am pleasure-driven, and I think a lot of my anxiety comes from trying to have the most pleasure. <laughs> I think, like, a lot of my anxiety is, like, could I be having more fun? <laughs> Wow. That's, you know, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. So it does all kind of make sense when you psychologically analyze it. I can't let myself think about death too much because it really freaks me out. And if I and then I like go into like an existential spiral and I can't handle it. Your own death or other people's? I care My more death, about other people's. Other people's death. No, I care more about other people's. Well, like I you, we've talked about how much I'm afraid of my parents dying. Right. I've also like I've had family members die, but never family member who's in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So I have yet to like f- experience like grief at its worst. Mm-hmm. And um that's a, something I've been thinking about recently that like that's just a human experience I haven't truly had and yeah. so many people I know have and like how will I handle it? Will I be able to handle it? Mm-hmm. What's that going to look like? Well, that's more about the people left behind, whereas and the actual dead person is fine. It's over. But But sometimes there is sadness and like like my cousin died and like he had just gotten married for the first time and like he never got to have the life that he'd always wanted and that now he was just beginning. Right. So that's really sad to me that he doesn't that he never 
got to have that. Yeah. And it's also sad because it it, it um thwarts a little bit the life that the living person wanted to have too. A little bit. No, wife. I mean she became a widow like yeah. after very little amount of time being married. Right. And they were older. They were in their forties and it happened. This is why I don't know about an afterlife because the 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 point of death, I think, is to make us care about the time that we have. To to make us feel like But who when you say the point, that's implying that this is someone's grand plan. So whose plan is it? No one's. Mm, how can there be a point then? I don't know because I do. Th- I also do think that there that people are just bad and there's no point. <laughs> it's like this. It's like this thing of like uh, people are just um, terrible and don't and and don't necessarily want to like this thing of like people are inherently good and don't worry, good will win. I'm like, no, it won't, and no, we're not. Like, I think it's all sort of chaotic and random, and it's just, like, happened this way, and you're never going to – I don't know. I don't think we'll ever figure it out. I don't think there's ever going to be an answer to, like, why are we here? Why is why is death? Like, I think you just have why to, like – Why are we here is the existential thing that, like, really fucking freaks me out. Yeah, I think we just have – I think it, there's no reason. I think it's just, like, you are. Now do something, you know? You just have to – and, like, I don't think you can rely on an afterlife, so you just have – whatever amount of years you have and then you just got to like you just got to use them to the best of your ability because there's nothing after and there might not have you been have any no point to it. You have no idea though that there's nothing after. There might not have been you any know point any, to it. You don't know you don't know any more than me that about what happens after we die. Like no, no I do. like no, no nobody knows. No I do. Okay. I no I don't. I I just think I just I, we your 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 life is given the meaning that other people assign it after you die. No. Yes. You don't think that your life has meaning while you're alive? It does, but it it has longer lasting meaning based on what meaning is assigned to it by other people after you pass away. Like people like kids who are kidnapped and die and then their parents go on and make like the Amber Alert or make like laws that are better for, you know, that kid where like, well, he only lived till he was four. What could he have done? But like his life was given meaning, which by the people who's, who outlived him. It just feels yucky to me because it sort of implies that you have to, like, have done this thing to, like, put this stamp on society as a whole to be mean- have life with meaning. No, and I don't, you don't think that that's true. Right. I think that, like, you could just have been a really great mom. Yes, And your exactly. life has a ton of meaning. Yes. And that meaning is, I guess, that you were a net positive while you were here. That you made people feel good. That you were, you know, you were tried your best. That kind of thing. But sometimes I get really, like, just... I don't know, like, I just get very, like, I don't know, the purpose is to have a good time, and, like, why not? And it's hard, because I, I do the show about money, and I'm, like, and it's, like, you know, how do you have a retirement? How do you save? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm, like, every day, I'm, like, just mo- go to Greece, and, like, get rid of all of your money, and, like, just, or just, like, buy a Maserati. I don't know. Like, I, I get very in my head about, like, why are we being good? It doesn't matter. <laughs> just do what you want. Well, I think that that's, like, the dual thought to everyone has. Right. One, it's like we have this responsibility to live a certain way, and the other is like, why? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you're just kind of always battling those two things. I know, I know. I, I And and I, some people are like, well, I, I'm afraid of death, so I have to uh, – I'm constantly trying to leave a mark or something. But I always get – I don't know. You can't – you have little to no control over whether you leave a mark, like in a big way. 
You have control over if you leave a mark in small ways. That's why I always say if you feel like you're a failure, just be kind to other people. That's a thing. Yeah, that's, that's a thing. That's so important. Are you afraid to die? Well, what's so interesting is growing up and, and being like mentally ill, I had like a very interesting relationship with life and death. And I was always like, well, I'm mostly just staying alive so I don't bum out other people. That's how I felt. Um, and now that I'm happy and doing well, I don't want to die. And wow. I and I realized that pretty recently, and I was like, "Wow, I don't want to die. That's so cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, not even that I don't want to. That I'd be like bummed if I did, because you miss out on stuff. Yeah, that you like are I don't. Yeah, I don't want to die. Yeah, I mean, it's, like it's... I would fight to live now, and that's not something I would have always said. Yeah. I had, I mean, in April, I was really down and I was like, I I was like, you know, obviously people heard it on this show, but it was probably worse than it even sounded on the show. And then a few things happened starting in June that really turned things around. And I was like, man, I was talking about it to, to my partner and I was like, man, if I had just ended it in April, like I had no clue what was coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that, that keeps people from di- like wanting to die is this hope of like, yeah, but I don't know what you never know what's going to come down the pipe. You never know like what you you could you could meet someone tomorrow that changes your whole life. You don't know, you know. I'm more scared of like what would happen before. Like I we've talked about it on the show, but like actually dying, fine, whatever. But like, oh man, if I was kidnapped before I died, or yeah, I don't want to have to like go through a lot yeah, of physical pain. Right, like the pain is the part that's like the actual death. It's like, well, then you're dead, but. <laughs> The, that's why we do the thing of, right? That's why we always say it was quick or that's why we're yeah. always like they didn't even it see it coming or something. Yeah. yeah, it was painless versus like knowing. The the thing that's terrifying about tr- the true crime stuff I watch is like when the person's like, uh, they knew they were about to die and then mm-hmm. they died. That's that's awful. Awful. But I so think that's, that's more. What, that's so many people in hospitals and hospice where they know it's coming and that's got to be like so scary. Yeah. I feel so sad for them and I feel their pain and it's just got to be I mean I think on the one hand there's people who are like I'm ready hello I'm ready and then there's other people who are like oh no I don't want this I don't want this and Mm -hmm. it's just so it's it sucks and it's tricky and it's scary yeah that's why I choose to believe in an afterlife because it's not hurting anyone and it's making me feel better I guess I have to if I believe in ghosts then I have to believe in an afterlife duh okay fine because I guess when where are the ghosts coming from I want to conclude this segment right now, <laughs> having convinced Gabby there is an afterlife. So stay positive, kids. Tamika, <laughs> come on in, you crazy cat. Um, are you afraid of death? Um, I love coming in on all these conversations after you guys have had like some really insightful thoughts because <laughs> I want to echo a lot of things that were already said. Like I'm not afraid of death in terms of the being dead part. Mm. It's the dying part, mm-hmm. right? What's yeah, your number one? I'm nothing new to add because you guys had such a great conversation. Thank you. What, I, what were you going to ask? You were going to ask what's oh, her yeah. most afraid? What's the, the worst way you could die? Oh, my God. Like, what's your greatest fear? I mean, God, there's so many terrible ways. I think drowning is really, oh, my God, that just seems so, so insanely mm-hmm. terrible, like, mentally to go through, to just be out of oxygen mm-hmm. and, and, like, just have all these things going on in your brain and in your lungs. Mm-hmm. Seems awful. I I mine is airplane crash, cause you know it's coming. You know it's coming mm. exactly. And because I hate the sensation of falling. Mm. Yeah, 
I mean, I the the dying again doesn't bother me. If I was kidnapped for a long time, we I'd be get very it. upset. You're honestly asking to get kidnapped. At you talk point. about getting kidnapped all the time. And if I ever, but uh, maybe I'm setting something up like a Gone Girl. Like if I ever disappear, you'll be like, oh my god, she was kidnapped. Or I'll be like, ah, oh, her time finally came. <laughs> She's probably loving the attention. She got what she wanted. <laughs> what, what do we rate this episode? Um, I rate it. 10 out of 10 comic books. Nice. I'll, I'll rate it 100 multiple partners. Aww. That's the, that's the number you want, kids. Yeah. Get to 100 and then you've reached Nirvana and you can go to the afterlife. <laughs> I was actually going to say five. And I love that you said 100. Whoa. <laughs> you were going to say five multiple partners? Yeah. Wow. I'm like really on the same wavelength as people do. Yeah, what's going on? 10 I'm out like, of 10 Paul Danos. I'm, yeah, I'm tuned in. Um, what did we learn? Uh, I learned that, and this is something that I've learned personally and also to hear from Shannon too, that like not everyone is polyamorous. Mm -hmm. It's not some evolved state of being. It doesn't make you better than anyone. Uh, some people are just monogamous and everyone has to, uh, respect each other's way of life. Oh, lovely. If only you'd known that four years ago. Uh, Growth. No, I'm just kidding. Growth. (laughs) We would have had less to argue about. (laughs) What did you learn? What's that word that's the opposite of jealousy? Compersion. Mm-hmm. That's new. I like Compersion. that. Yeah, it blew my mind when I learned about that, too. Because I'm so not that. I mean, I want my partner to be happy. And I guess I do like the idea of, like, other people want, like, desiring my partner. But I don't want them him to interact with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, like, limits to it. Yeah, mm. it's a type of compersion. Yeah. And sometimes com- compersion uh, is also, I think we danced around that it can be sexual. That's another element of compersion. Like, yeah. Where, like, the jealousy, you feel the jealousy, but it's, like, arousal for you. Ooh, gross. <laughs> we are doctors here on this show. Thank you, Shannon Waters, for being a guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Justin Asher. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Tamika Weatherspoon, and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. One, two, three. Paul Dano. Stitcher.